Vancouver 2010, it seems like, I can't tell it whether it was a m- month or a week or a year ago, it seems like it's been non-stop action. But again, another enjoying the confines of the Pacific breeze across Broad Inlet. Another late evening because it's been every night. It's been a late night because there's so much to see. I got the hammer with me, Bob. How's your Olympics been so far? It's been uh, quite an experience uh, compared to Torino, compared to Beijing, also the Pan Am Games 2007. I went to. Uh, it's been better. It's been worse. It's been middling. It's it's been all over the map. Well, you've been uh, going out to all kinds of events, but before I kind of get into what the Olympics has felt like on the ground, you know, I can't help but notice that the narrative leading up to the games, uh, people did, here in town, there wasn't an overwhelming enthusiasm in a lot of ways. People, did, I, I think, people didn't really realize that there was a lot of stuff to do for free and cheap as well. Uh, and now the narrative has really gone from this kind of negative: it's a waste of money. There's going to be protests. I'm renting my place and going to Mexico. And the narrative has really changed. It seems to this overwhelming excitement about it. Is it just me? No, I think that was the way it was going to go anyways, but I think that there were a lot of great questions to be asked throughout the years because of the way this has all been handled and all been packaged by the government, by, by Vanock. I think that uh, Vanock should have been allowed to do what he needed to do uh, to create the games properly instead of being politically interfered with or, or played as a political toy because there were elections along the way, civic, provincial, and federal, and uh, all of them used Vanock for, for whatever they needed to do, especially Gordon Campbell. Premier Gordon Campbell, uh, I think, is still is culpable for using Vanock for political reasons to get re-elected and, of course, to, to uh, act in some ways as uh, interference. That if, if uh, he'd understood that it was uh, an organization that was supposed to put on great games and left it alone to do so, maybe things would have turned out a little bit better. Uh, but I think that this is a temporary moment that we're, we're enjoying right now, and then afterwards we're going to see, and we're going to be asking some very tough questions about the, the return on investment. Is this investment going to pay off? Because this is really what it's supposed to be. It's an investment. And based on past Olympics, you've had in Salt Lake City, for instance, where the hotel and restaurant industry had a great boom time, but the retail industry had uh, a great depression because people were spending differently, were, were going out of town, were, were doing things differently because they were scared of the security and transportation tie-ups. Uh, in the end, uh, Salt Lake City does not seem to be a greater world capital than it was before. Um, it, it is more in the consciousness of winter sports. It's now winter sports capital. And anyone who is in the, 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 the industry of, of sports knows Salt Lake City is a, now a player. But uh, elsewhere, it didn't People's- really people don't look at it a vacation destination but maybe you know because you're right it's really a two and a half week long tv commercial for vancouver and the splendors that's a big feeding frenzy as we're seeing on the ground you know doing different sorts of documentation it's a feeding frenzy of not just the sports that people see on tv all over the world but on the ground there's it's, it's, it's this enormous marketing and hospitality and tourism thing but of course the brands are always very closely protected so things kind of operate in those perimeter of the coverage and the rights holding media isn't out there exploring those things so i think it's it's confusing for people here because they've never seen that on previous olympic coverage that hey there's kind of fun stuff too true well in, in other olympic cities the cities have been very diffused the, the venues have been all over the place no no proximity whereas here we've got the luxury of having uh, general motors place bc place 
next door to each other, basically. And then you got the uh, International Broadcast Center and the main press center next door to each other as well. BC Play, uh, Canada Place and the new convention center on the other side. So you got these venues on Falls Creek, you got these venues on Cole Harbor. You've got them united by this great transportation system we have here in Vancouver, of course. Uh, uh, I wouldn't call it great if you're going to compare it to the tube in London, but uh, if you compare it to other cities along the west coast of North America, this really is an embarrassment of riches, the SkyTrain, the three lines we have uh, that are now just uh, proving their worth, especially the Canada line, which is a great big investment. It costs a lot of money, but now we're seeing why it was built, and the politicians that told us that it wasn't Olympic cost, well, they weren't telling us the truth, because it was. It, the Olympics could not have happened without... Uh, the, the SkyTrain to Richmond and the airport it just could not have happened you could just imagine how much of a mess the city would be in without it so that is showing why it is a great investment um, and people are, are going to understand that uh, the SkyTrain is around for, for future and we got a third C-Bus now so uh, it's going to be easier to get around I think people are going to understand different ways of getting around the city and understand the city can act in different ways it's, it's uh, the key thing yeah. is now, now we can see that the city uh, can handle certain big events. Uh, we will never see an event like this again. This is the last mega event for the whole northwestern part of North America, but for smaller events. Maybe we'll, when the Whitecaps are uh, in Major League Soccer, we'll have the Major League Soccer uh, All-Star Game or the Major League Soccer Final, or maybe one of the big teams from Europe will come over here and play an exhibition. Uh-huh. We can bring a few thousand fans with them. Bring a few thousand fans. We can, we can close streets, have a street party we can animate the city in that fashion so this is proving that we can do different things with the city and 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 enjoy the city more and and use the city as a canvas to create great new things yeah and it's really interesting now that this city is kind of chilled out in a lot of ways because you know i've been down to all the nights of fireworks and you got to be stealth with the beers you're packing and you know, hear the sort of sending mixed signals because it was kind of out of hand then they started shutting down the liquor stores at night and of course it was just a few dinglings and isolated incidents that caused it out of hand because most nights i've been walking around and just basking in all the excitement that it just it's just unprecedented spontaneous flash mobs of people just strangers stopping strangers just to like hug them and high five them and just be excited about all this kind of stuff uh but you think what will be left from these legacies as far as us as a civic community you touched on it there about more mega events you know here on the sea bus it's running now till 2.30 these are the kind of things that I suppose can also come as kind of a social benefit from the Olympics in some way or a social change of some kind uh, true there will be a lot of benefits a lot of social change that we can drive forward but there's also going to be a great big cost to this we, we can't forget that there is a cost to free things there, there's a cost to, to running transit all night um, and these are the kind of things that had to be done to make a mega event happen uh, where will we end up having to pay for this from because uh, we're going to find out a lot of stories many weeks and months to come of uh, money that perhaps was not spent very responsibly by the authorities um, you can pinpoint the, the security f- for, for that for instance uh, sold to us as $175 million, eventually told to us as $900 million. And, you know, I submit that half of it is wasted. I don't know which half, but uh, <laughs> you can see that despite going downtown Vancouver, there's a lot of very bored police around here from other parts of Canada. And uh, these police, uh, in many ways, are just enjoying their time away from wherever they are in Canada where it is still very cold. And they're staying on a cruise ship. Uh, this could not be better. They're getting away from... Uh, 
know, the, the wives and good wives and girlfriends. Getting great overtime. Getting to go have some fun. Well, there's 11 oh, yeah. officers that were sent home, weren't they? Yeah, 11. Uh, that's uh, seven from the police side and four from the Canadian Forces side. Uh, two of them are actually under investigation by the RCMP. One of them was charged with shoplifting in Burnaby. Uh, you know, you can say that there's a few bad apples if you want, but uh, these are people that, that have sworn to a duty to serve and protect the law and serve and protect the citizens, and here they are entrusted with being part of a very important security operation where Canada is putting its face and foot forward to the world. That really is a black eye to the policing profession. Uh, very, very unfortunate. Yeah, it was, it's, uh, and it got brushed under a little bit, but for the most part, uh, you know, the game's been free of big scandals or, or big incidents. So I was kind of curious about the kind of like the lay of the land and kind of what people are talking about inside the inside media. Because I see the CTV coverage occasionally, but I'm out and about doing all these, well, doing the stuff, going out to hockey games. What are people talking about? And kind of give me a lay of the land about what's in Canada Place 1 and Canada Place 2. Yeah, well, in Canada Place 1, uh, the 1986 opened. Uh, former Canada Pavilion from Expo 86. That's been renovated. That's where the main press center is for uh, print, for online, for some radio and some TV that aren't accredited to the other side. It's basically just one big hall with, with a lot of desks and tables, TVs, places for us to plug in our laptops, plug in to the Ethernet or use the Wi-Fi that's provided, uh, provided but you pay at the very expensive price uh, for more than $500 for a month. Uh, and there's offices for various uh, major media outlets that are on uh, the main level as well as the cruise ship level. There's also a bus terminal there uh, that takes us to various places and buses that are from all over the United States, from Alabama, from Texas, that are often uh, very empty. Um, there is also on the other side the, the new convention center, the $883 million convention center. That's the International Broadcast Center, and that's uh, where some of the biggest broadcast companies in the world have built temporary studios and the temporary studios they have there are in many ways more glitzy than TV studios you find in the secondary market. CTV has uh, about 1,400 people and 40,000 square feet. It's, it's one of the most ambitious undertakings ever in Canadian broadcasting and it's a sight to behold because they built this up for so many months. They tested it in Toronto actually, put it all together there, took it all apart, sent it here, put it together again. And 1,400 people there are working on various platforms, various languages, uh, in the, the prime location in the facility with the best views possible. Uh, it's it's a, just a magnificent operation. And are you meeting a lot of journalists from other parts of the world? And what kind of stuff are they talking about while they're out uh, having their inevitable smoke? Yeah, well, they're they're amazed by the the beauty from the the press center because. We didn't have anything like this in Turin. Turin, it was the former Fiat plant, former factory in the middle of uh, an industrial zone, Beijing. It was a new convention center in the very far north of Beijing in an area which did not have much natural beauty. Here, it is on a pier right in the middle of the harbor. You've got Stanley Park across the way. You've got the mountains even further away. You've got water surrounding it. It it really is a special place. And the layout, uh, the the, uh, space, the, the, the brightness... Uh, there's a lot of lot of reporters that are saying that this is actually the best media facility they've ever experienced. That's pretty sweet. Well, the C bus is pulling in, but before I let you go, I want to give a quick recap of some of the sporting events you've seen because I know you've seen a, a ton. And just give me a few highlights of what you particularly enjoyed. Well, number one has to be when Sean White won his gold medal in half pipe. Oh, yeah. 
and doing the double McTwist uh, 1260. Uh, he didn't need to do it because he only needed to keep his butt off the ground. All He's so far superior to all the other snowboarders that uh, he just needed to keep his pants off the ground to win it. But no, he wanted to put, off the, put on a show and show why he's superior and, and put the sport forward. So that was very special. Mayo Ricker, when she won the snowboard cross, that oh, was yeah. very special. The first British Columbian to win a gold medal at the Games here in British Columbia. Just fantastic. And she was one of those who had to win because she is leading the way on the World Cup Tour this year. Fantastic for her. Um, I saw Canada versus Scotland in curling, men's curling, where Wayne Gretzky showed up and where a bunch of fellows who uh, had, uh, had a few too many of the hops <laughs> took off their shirts and uh, started O Canada and it went through the whole rink of the Vancouver Olympic Centre and that lifted Canada, Kevin Martin, to, to get over the hump and beat the Scots. Uh, that was a very tight match. Uh, it was tit for tat all the way along and then Kevin Martin just uh, lifted the, the, the team and it was just uh, uh, an amazing special moment. Yeah, that kind of stuff can't be duplicated. It's going to be cool to see what happens with those facilities, eh? Absolutely, but uh, of course, the permanent facilities left over at General Motors Place to be there for that Russia game. Oh, my Canada goodness. versus Russia. Uh, absolute dominance, yeah. and uh, uh, the Russians just were not there. It was. Uh, it should have been a classic, but it was uh, uh, a game that many Canadians will remember for quite many years because of the dominance <laughs> of the team. Yeah, it was pretty remarkable. And how's been the media facilities and your colleagues? How's been working with your colleagues at the uh, on site at these venues at these hockey games? Are you meeting some internationals? Oh yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of internationals. Uh, some people I've seen before at other Olympics. Uh, yeah, they're they're, they're marveling themselves <laughs> at uh, how Canada's responding and how the Canadian team's playing. It's it's, it's quite special. <laughs> Well, I think there's three more days to go in the Olympics. You're hanging in there. You're toughing it up. You seem in pretty good shape still. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll sleep next week. I'll sleep in March. <laughs> well, there we go. Well, we're out. Olympic outsider here at Lonsdale Key. Three more days. Hang in there, youngsters. <laughs>